Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Well, good morning and welcome. Glad you're here. And uh, my name is Fritz. If we haven't met yet, I'm one of the pastors here. And I do want to welcome Lighthouse Online. I also want to welcome Fostoria Community. So glad you guys are with us today. And and while we're welcoming some of our other locations, I want to give you a quick update about Bluffton Community, uh, So, which is a church that we're partnering with to help launch in Bluffton. And uh, so, you know, they launched, um, I think it was February of 2021. And a long story short, the building they're in now called The Center, uh, they're actually in contract to purchase it now. And so we're pretty excited about that. Yeah, that's a good thing. Um, What's really exciting is this is uh, they're looking to close on December, like sometime mid-December this year, which they'll give them ownership on January 1. And to get there, they need about uh, $50,000 for a down payment. And so we threw out this opportunity both at Bluffton here at Lighthouse 2. And uh, just over the last four weeks, uh, just over $30,000 has been given over the last four weeks, right? So like, that's pretty exciting. Uh, They're just about 20 away. And so first off, I want to say if you've given, thank you so much. Uh, Just absolutely incredible. And encouraging to see the generosity and the vision that you see for sharing the gospel here in Hancock County. Um, and if you'd like to participate, uh, it's very simple to do. Just write uh, Bluffton Community Building Fund on your gift, uh, and you can join and be a part of that as well. Um, that'll be available for next couple weeks, and then we're just moving forward with that whole project. So thank you guys for being a part of the family, and, uh, and we're with you, Bluffton. We are excited about what God is doing uh, in you and through you. So uh, I just want to kind of jump right into our teaching today and, and get into our series. And I want, you to, I want to ask you a question, and I want you to think about uh, this for just a moment. I want you to think about the last time that you went through a really challenging season, and, and you did that alone. I want you to think about a really tough time that you went through, and you did that by yourself, alone. Nobody else really knew about it, right? Maybe, uh, maybe um, you, you, there was a job or a promotion that you wanted and you got passed up for. You didn't tell anybody, but you didn't get it. Uh, maybe there was some kind of loss that was suffered in your life. Maybe there was a relationship that ended that you didn't want to. Um, maybe there was something that failed in, in your business or your work or something along those lines, uh, waiting to hear back on a potential diagnosis, um, some kind of loss. And my question is this, right? You went through that and you dealt with that by yourself. You didn't really let anybody know about it. And my question is this, how could that situation have been differently if others had been present to walk with you through that season of your life? How could that have been different? How how could that have changed? And we're launching a new series on the topic of suffering. And and suffering, it's, it's uncomfortable. Whether you're in it, or whether you're witness to it, right? Like, no, nobody's enjoying it in that regards. And, and in our culture, we don't really know how to navigate suffering very well, uh, because our culture has uh, overwhelmingly said that our goal is the pursuit of happiness and personal freedom. 
And so what happens is when suffering shows up, it is an interruption to that happiness, and it's an interruption to that personal freedom. And so what do we do? We, we work hard. We try to figure out, how do I beat this thing? How do I get over it? You know, let me get rid of that thing as fast as possible. And the other side of that is in our culture is whether you're a Christian or you're not, there's kind of this silent background uh, that's saying, listen, we're on our own here, right? We're on our own. And I'm the only one who can figure this out. And so I've got to get to work and figure out how to solve this suffering, solve this problem, so I can get back to pursuing happiness uh, and having personal freedom. And so this, this idea of suffering, we're calling this series The Invitation. And the reason we called it The Invitation is because many times God will actually use suffering in our lives to invite us to learn how to rely on him in new ways that we never even knew were possible. We didn't even realize that we could rely on the Lord in this kind of way and know him that way. And so what you have is when the invitation shows up is you really have a choice. And the choice is I'm either going to resist that invitation and I'm going to decline it. I'm going to turn away and I'm going to figure this thing out by myself or I'm going to accept the invitation and I'm going to learn how to rely on the Lord through this new season of my life and whatever he's want, wanting to do and whatever, however he's wanting to grow me. And we're focusing on a section of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter, three, uh, chapter 1. We're looking at verses 3 through 11 for the next four weeks. And so we're just going to journey through, look at that passage again and again and again, um, and just ask lots of questions about that passage. And so next week when we gather, we're going to ask the question, where does suffering come from? Right? Where does it come from? And then on week three, we're going to ask the question, how does God use suffering in my life? What's the ultimate goal? What's the purpose when I do face suffering in my life? And then the last week, we're going to kind of engage in what uh, we're calling kind of a little bit of a master class on suffering, which is, is it possible to suffer well? Is it possible to suffer well? And what does Paul talk about when he says, I want to be able to even rejoice in the sufferings of Christ, right? All of those things. And so that's where we're going over the next few weeks. And today, I want to begin very practically by um, helping us to see how we can actually walk alongside one another when suffering shows up in our lives or when pain shows up in our lives. And so as Pastor Matt mentioned, if you would, open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, or you can click over there on your device. That's where we're going to be at today. And in our passage, what Paul does, he's the one who wrote uh, this section, what Paul does is he moves away from a philosophical understanding and view of suffering, and he moves into a very, very practical uh, position and basically says, look, we we can't ignore suffering. That's no good. Um, And and we shouldn't even necessarily uh, try to do whatever we can to to fight and resist and, and get out of it, but rather, how do we help each other through the suffering. And that's really what we're talking about today. And so, uh, you know, before we get into this and read this passage, I just want to take a moment and pray together. And so let's, let's do that. God, I'm just, I'm just thinking that in a room this size, that there are people all over the spectrum this morning. There are some who, uh, they are rejoicing today because they have left a season of suffering. There are others who are in the midst of it right now. And there are still some who they are actually getting ready to enter into it, and they don't even realize it yet. And and I think 
Lord, I just think in my own life, it's really easy for me to resist these kind of tough, difficult topics and go, well, I'll worry about that when, when it comes. And yet I think you're, you're inviting us to prepare now. You're inviting us to make our hearts ready, to make our spirits ready, to learn how to trust you, to not, not to war, not to rage, not to resist, uh, but rather how to rely on you very intentionally through the things that we're going through. And I'm just wondering if you would open our hearts, if you would open our minds, open our eyes and ears to hear what you have to say to us. And then would you grant us the courage and the faith to walk with you every single step of the way? We ask these things through Christ. Amen. <clears throat> well, I want to read uh, just briefly 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. This is the English Standard Version, and it says this, uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we, abundantly, as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we're afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. And if we're comforted, it's for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope, our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself." Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And he delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Now, now we're just going to focus in on verses 3 through 7 today, but I wanted to read that whole thing. And, and today, what I want to help us do is I want us to remember three things the next time we are helping someone else navigate suffering in their life, okay? So the first thing that I hope that we'll remember is that God is the source of all comfort. Remember that God is the source of all comfort. And what Paul did is Paul points to God. He says, this is the God. This is the Father of Jesus Christ. This is the Jesus whom God raised from the dead. You will remember he died, but he's alive today, and he's living right now. And he says, this God is the Father of mercies. I think a more helpful translation of that word would actually be the Father of compassion. And, and what Paul is saying here is he's saying, listen, God has compassion. God has a deep awareness of the suffering that you face, and he feels sorrow for it. Right? He feels sorrow for the suffering that you're facing and I'm facing and the things that we're going through. But I love what Paul does. He says, listen, God doesn't stop at feelings, though, because he's the God of all comfort. And what he's saying is that God actively comes to alleviate our sorrow and our distress. He comes to bring comfort when we're suffering. And I've got to tell you, that is a critical thing that differentiates Christianity from absolutely every other faith and religion in the world. Because every religion, every faith has an understanding about suffering. And so what most say, uh, you know, if you look at Allah, if you look at, at Brahma, if you look at Vishnu, what they'll say is the people who worship uh, in that way, they'll say, yes, those gods see your suffering. They see it. 
They witness it. But it's up to you to get stronger. It's up to you to find some inner strength, some, some inner peace to reach enlightenment so that you can break through and, and be better. And then you can join Allah, and then you can join Vishnu, and then you can join Brahma, right? But you, you have to figure it out. See, Christianity, Christianity is wildly different from that. See, in the same way, the scriptures would say the God of the Bible sees you in your suffering, and he comes to you. He comes to you with comfort. He comes to you with strength. He comes to you with help. He does not wait for you to figure it out on your own. The God of the scriptures comes to you, right? That God is the light in the darkness of your suffering who's calling you forward into hope, right? Join me, walk with me. And and what I find interesting is many times when we face suffering in our lives, one of the first things we question is we question God's goodness, We question his provision. God, where are you? God, how could you let this happen? God, uh, how is this showing your goodness? Like we we question this whole thing and we go, I don't don't know that God is good if he's going to let this thing happen. And, And you need to know that God sees you even when you're suffering. God knows. God recognizes. God is there present. I love what Psalm chapter 56 verse 8 says. It's such a powerful verse. In fact, it's just one verse, so I'd like for all of us, let's read this passage out loud together, beginning with, uh, when you, uh, you keep track of all my sorrows. Are you ready? All of our locations, let's start and go. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in, yeah, God sees, God knows, God records all. Listen, he's not uncaring. God is not absent. God sees you. When you face affliction, God is your source of all comfort. And what Paul is saying in here, when you're suffering, you should expect God to comfort you. You should expect God to move because that's who he is. The the second thing that I hope you'll remember the next time you're helping somebody else through suffering is remember that God will provide comfort to others through you. God will provide comfort to others through you. You see, after Jesus' resurrection and his ascension, God created uh, a church, right? You can read about that in Acts chapter 2. And so it was God's intention that his church would be the primary vehicle for sharing his grace and for sharing his comfort. And so the comfort that you receive from knowing Jesus Christ and walking with him in fellowship is actually meant to be shared with other people, right? Like you and I, we are not cul-de-sacs, right? Everything just coming to me and it stays here. But in fact, you and I, we are, we're, we're Main Street, right? Like God brings comfort into our lives and that comfort that you experience, that comfort that you receive is meant to be passed on to other people. And so the gospel doesn't stay with me. The gospel comes to me and then it moves on through me as I share it with other people as well. And so God expects that we would journey together through suffering, that we would minister to each other and we would help each other through our suffering. And you actually see this in the New Testament, right? When you look in the book of Acts, you'll see Paul traveling with his team. He's going from city to city and he's sharing the gospel with people. He would make disciples. He'd hang out with them for a while, train them on how to know and trust the Lord. And then he'd move on to the next city. And then what would happen at the end of their missionary journey Paul and his team would start making a loop back to the cities they had already been to, and they would visit them again, 
And they would encourage them, and they would comfort them, and they knew they were going through some trials and going through some struggles, and so they showed up to help them. I love what Acts chapter 14, verse 22, uh, how it puts it. It says, they would revisit those cities, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And so it's totally part of Paul's ministry to come back around and comfort and encourage and to walk with people through the things that they were facing. And when we're in the midst of suffering, we need each other. We need each other. There's, there's this strange dichotomy that happens when we go into suffering. Two things happen at the same time. And, and what usually happens is this. When we're facing suffering... We don't want to be alone in it, right? We don't want to be by ourselves. We don't want to be, you know, isolated and all that. And yet at the same time, we don't let other people in, right? And so we desperately want people to walk with us, but we don't want them to know. We, we desperately want people to, to encourage us and to pray with us and, and, and to help, and yet we don't really want them to be aware of what's going on, and we definitely don't want to ask them for help. And so what happens is we tend to isolate and that isolation can look at a couple different ways. Number one is you can isolate by just like staying away from your, your tribe, your group, your crowd, right? You stay home, you, you don't really talk to anybody, you disengage, all of that. But there's another way of isolating, which is hiding in the crowd. And so when somebody comes up and says, hey man, how you doing today? You go, good. Everything's good. Everything's fine. And, and you don't let on at all that you're going through really significant challenges, and suffering. And so we isolate ourselves, and it ends up becoming a self-fulfilling pro uh, prophecy. So what happens is we're suffering, and we resist other people joining us in that. And then when no one joins us in that, because we've kept them at arm's length, we go, see, nobody cares. Nobody cares about what I'm going through. I'm all alone, and I have to figure this thing out by myself. And so sometimes what we actually have to do when we're in suffering, we have to do the hard work of reaching out to others and inviting them in to our trials and our pain. And sometimes we have to do the hard work and we have to invite ourselves into someone else's pain and suffering. Right? Sometimes that's how it looks. But you have to remember that God uses the church to minister his comfort to others. The last thing I hope that you'll remember is this, is that God can actually use your suffering to comfort others. God can actually use the suffering that you go through to bring comfort to other people. And so God will use my suffering, he'll use your suffering to help others as they're navigating through their things. And, and what happens often is this, is Satan will actually convince us, well, since you have problems or you've had problems, you clearly can't help anybody else. You're, you're not qualified, right? You've got your own issues, so there's no way that you can help or you can serve anybody else in what they're going through. And, and, and we, we pull ourselves out of being able to serve other people when they're facing really significant stuff. But you have to realize this. Nobody's encouraged by fake, protection, uh, uh, fake perfection. Nobody gets encouraged by that. Do you know what people are drawn to? Real. They're drawn to real. And when you can say, man, I'm wrestling with stuff too, and, I, and I'm clinging to the Lord, and I won't let go, and I'm, and, and I'm finding it hard to trust him, but man, I'm, I'm just, I'm staying with him, and I'm not letting go. And so God can even use you while you are suffering to comfort other people. 
You know, Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote some of his most encouraging letters while he was in prison for the gospel. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, dying for our sins, suffering under torture, you know one of the last things he did? He was setting up who was going to take care of his mother after he died. He's doing this from the cross, right? Stephen, who's the first Christian to be martyred for the gospel, or you can read about it in Acts chapter 7. Literally, as people are taking gigantic rocks and they're throwing them down on top of him to crush him, to kill him because he's a follower of Jesus Christ, one of the last words he utters is, God, forgive them. They don't even realize what they're doing right now, right? So even in the midst of your suffering, you can actually bring comfort to other people. And it's through your suffering that God many times gives comfort and hope to other people. Because what you become is you become like this living legend. You become a living legend in the way that you are the reality that people can go through really difficult seasons in their life. And they can still hold on to the Lord. They can go through some of the most just terrifying moments, and they can still walk with the Lord. And so you become an encouragement to others as you walk with him. Because, and, and isn't that the message of the gospel? That, that even your really difficult seasons still have hope on the end of them. I mean, think about this. Jesus faced the most unimaginable suffering ever. All of God's wrath for all of sin, for all of time, he faced it by himself, and he died for it. But Jesus' suffering didn't end in death. How did it end? In resurrection. It ended in the greatest victory of all time. The very thing that gives any of us hope that this thing is real is that Jesus is alive today. Yes, he did die. And yes, he did rise, raise from the dead, and he's alive still today. And what that means is that there is hope even in your suffering. And I love what theologian John Stott writes about this when it comes to suffering. He says, the real sting of suffering, it's not misfortune itself. It's not even the pain of it or the injustice of it, but the apparent God-forsakenness of it. Pain is endurable, but the seeming indifference of God is not. We think of him as an armchair spectator, almost gloating over the world's suffering and enjoying his own insulation from it. It is this terrible caricature of God that the cross smashes to smithereens. You can't have a God who's far off when he's the one who was on the cross. God understands what it is to face suffering. God understands what it is to go through some of the deepest pain. In fact, the suffering that God faced, you and I will never come within a million miles of it. We won't even be able to sniff anywhere near the level of suffering that God went through for us. And it's actually in the suffering that God brings his greatest comfort which means that God can use the suffering that you and I go through to bring comfort to others as well. And this is what sets Christ's followers apart. That through faith in Christ, that we know no matter the quantity of suffering that we face, and no matter the severity of the suffering that you and I will endure, that if you are in Christ, your story will always end in victory. Your story will always end in the arms of God. And so our lives are being drawn to eternal joy. Our lives are being drawn to hope in Christ. And because we have that as Christ followers, that means we actually can comfort others 
when they're going through the suffering that they're going through as well. And let me tell you why that is. It's because you and I, we know what it is to need comfort. We know what it is to desire comfort, and we know what it is to receive that comfort from the Lord. And, and I'll tell you what, if you've been through stuff, you know that like platitudes and bumper stickers and memes, ain't, they ain't going to help. Like, you, you, I'll tell you what you can do with your meme, right? Like, that's, that's, that's what you, you know, you, when you're going through stuff, you don't want to hear that, right? You just, you just don't. And Christians know that the only true source of comfort, it comes, through God, comes from God through Jesus Christ. One of the names of the Holy Spirit is the Comforter. That's one of his names. And if you're a true Christ follower, the Comforter is living within you. And God's presence alone can bring comfort in even our most significant pain and trouble. And so if we're going to comfort others in their suffering, we actually have to battle through some of the false narratives from our culture. And they're false narratives like this. Well, when people are in pain or people are in suffering or people are in trouble, they just want to be left alone. We've already talked about that. No, we don't. We do, but we don't. We deeply want other people to be with us. We just don't know how to do it. The other false narrative that I think we have to push back on is this. I'm not an expert, so I can't help, right? I'm not a doctor. I'm not a physician. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a whatever trained in a field in something like that. And so I can't help you with your suffering. That's someone else who actually knows about those kinds of things. But the reality is if you're a follower of Christ, then you have his spirit living within you. You have his presence going with you. And God will empower you to bring comfort into the lives of people who are experiencing real pain and, and trials just simply by being present, God begins to do things. And so the question is like, well, then how do we, how do we bring comfort into the lives of people? Well, I, th- I think it begins with compassion. It's where Paul started, right? He's the father of compassion. And so it's the awareness that another person is going through significant, sor- going through significant suffering, and, and we feel sorrow for that, right? I'm sorry you're going through I don't want you to go through that. I'm sorry that you are. And we sense a desire to help. And, and we have to resist the idea that you come up and you knock somebody up against the shoulder and go, ah, oh, buck up, buddy, it'll be better. And I was like, don't do that. <laughs> That's not helpful when somebody's going through something really hard. And so let me share a couple of practical ways that we can actually comfort each other when we're going through suffering. And then I want to go a layer lower and, and talk about some deeper things too. Uh, in fact, so we created a resource um, Oh, I just got rid of it. So uh, called Sharing God's Comfort. And if you want to receive this, uh, you'll actually be able to walk through everything we're going to talk about. Uh, just check that box on your connection card, and we'll send this to you. You can actually put it right on your phone, and anywhere your phone is, you can have this resource and be able to walk through, how do I help give God's comfort when somebody else is going through suffering? And so just check that on your connection card here in the house or online, and we will get that over to you. Um, but some practical ways that we can share comfort with others uh, are this. The first thing is this, you got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's just where it starts. Because real suffering is not easy for anybody to deal with. Not anybody. Not the person suffering, not the person witnessing it either. And there are going to be times of awkwardness. There are going to be moments when you don't know what to do, moments that you don't know what to say, and it's going to be weird. It's okay. This isn't something that we deal with every day. And so just know, like, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. The second thing is this. Uh, just be present. Just show up, right? 
and, and resist using cliches and, and you know, bumper stickers like, you know, I'm, I, everything's going to work out. I'm sure this is happening for a reason. Uh, you know, resist diving into the philosophy of pain. If you've ever, uh, if you've ever read the book of Job, the Old Testament book of Job, you, you'll know like Job lost his, his wealth. He lost all of his kids. He lost his health. He was probably hoping he'd lost his wife, right? Like he's like, you know, you know this, right? Like all of that. But like he, he's there and he's like in misery and his three friends show up. And I think if you read through the book of Job, the most helpful thing that they do is sit in silence with him for seven days. That might have been the most helpful that they ever were. And so sometimes it's just showing up. It's just being present. Another way to bring comfort is, uh, is to just talk about light topics, right? Talk about the weather, talk about sports, talk about what your kids are doing, because what that does is it helps a person who's facing suffering to just feel normal again. They don't have to be identified by what they're going through. But on the other side of that, it's totally okay to talk about deep talk topics, like talk about the purpose of life. Talk about the goodness of God. Talk about eternal hope. Uh, and as Christ followers, what we have to look forward to, right? And, and one of the things that will help you to know where to come in at, I, I like to say it this way. When I go and visit people that are going through stuff, I enter into the room as a thermometer. And so I'm gauging the temperature of the room. Where are they right now? Are they in a very dark place? Are they in a very hopeless place? Are they encouraged? Are they, I just want to find out where are they right now? And then once I gauge the temperature of the room in the conversation, I switch from thermometer to thermostat. I'm going to change the environment of the room. I'm going to move it to a place of hope. I'm going to move it to a place of talking about the Lord. I'm going to move it to a place of encouragement and comfort. I'm going to start with where they're at. And I'm going to move it to hope and encouragement when I'm with them. So start as a thermometer, switch over to a thermostat, because God can use you to change the temperature of the conversation and the room. Another idea is to offer to meet physical needs. So if I visit somebody, maybe they're in a hospital or, or they're in another situation, I'll just ask them straight up, you know, can I get some water? Are, are you comfortable, you know, the way that you're sitting right now? Could, could I sneak in a cheeseburger past the nurses for you? Because I, I would love to do that, you know? Um, and so, you know, don't, don't I'm going to get so many calls to the hospital now. Um, <laughs> but, and the other thing, too, is don't, don't be afraid to make appropriate contact. Like, you don't know how powerful a handshake a hug, a hand on the shoulder as you're praying. Like how powerful that can be. God does something miraculous when, when we contact each other in that kind of a way. It, those are all practical things that we can do. But going a layer lower behind all of that is this. Is that one of the clearest ways that you can bring comfort to somebody who's suffering is to help that person walk with the Lord. More than anything. Help that person walk with the Lord. And I'm talking about scripture, and I'm talking about prayer. And so when we're together, like, like read, read passages of scripture that point to God's character, that, that point to who he is and, and his love for us and his care for us and his presence in our lives, right? Pray for things like God's presence to be real. Pray for healing if that's the situation. Pray for God's comfort to show up. Pray, like as you're praying, pray words of the gospel, thanking God for what Jesus has accomplished for us. Pray for the strength to endure through this season, right? This is one of our values we hold deeply at Lighthouse, which is we pray bold prayers. And so pray and ask the Lord to move in ways that only he can, so then he's the only one who gets credit for it, 
right? All of that's appropriate. Because when we do this, we're offering one of the greatest gifts to absolutely anyone, especially someone who's suffering. And the greatest gift we offer to one another is hope. It's hope, right? There's no more practical gift than the gift of hope. In fact, it's losing hope that makes suffering unbearable. That's what makes it really hard. I want to say something, and there's a chance where it's just going to kind of skip off, and and you're not going to catch the weight of what it it means. And so I'm going to say it twice, because I think we need to hear it. And it's this. The way that you live right now is overwhelmingly shaped by what you believe about your future. Let me say that again, because that needs to sink in. The way that you live now, the way you face suffering now, the way you face challenges now, the way you face the things that annoy you, the way that you celebrate, the things that you invest in, the way that you live now is overwhelmingly shaped, not by your past, not by the things you've gone through, not by the things you've overcome, not by the things you've suffered, but it's overwhelmingly shaped by what you believe about your future. And if you know that you belong to Christ and he's drawing you to your true home, which is a place of joy, which is a place of hope, which is a place in the presence of God where every injustice and every act of unrighteousness is going to be redressed and we'll be, we'll be standing in the presence of the Lord and everything else is just going to, like all of the hurts and all of the worries and all the, they're just going to fade away. That will shape the way you live today. This is what Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He, he writes this. He says, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see now, but rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone. But the things that we cannot see will last forever. Paul's saying, look ahead. Look ahead. When you're facing suffering, when you're facing challenges, you've got to look ahead. You've got to have hope. And so you can comfort others in their time of suffering. God, God will use you. And in one simple way that you and I can bring comfort into the life of somebody who's suffering, or quite frankly, just anybody is to just invite them into the family, right? And so here's just a practical thing that you might consider this week, is to just invite somebody to join you at church next week. Like invite them to your small group. Invite them to join you for the ministry team that you're a part of. Like just invite them into the family and to be a part of it, right? Like invite them into the most important part of your life, your faith and your community. And and I'm not sure why it happened, and or really when, but I just have noticed that over the last six years, for some reason, in the church, it's, it's like inviting people to church is almost like 
it's cheating in evangelism, right? It's like, oh, like that's not really, you know, that's not really helping people. You're just trying to, you know, increase numbers at your church. It's cheating. It's less spiritual. You know, the real evangelism, the real, comfort, you know, uh, comfort giving in the world is like confronting people with the gospel and, you know, getting in their face and, and you know, getting them to bow in their knees at Kroger's and come to faith in that moment. Like that's, that's what real evangelism looks like and that's what it should be or, you know, craftily creating artificial moments where I can say my spiel to you. Um, and whatever. And, and listen, don't get me wrong. I, I think it's totally okay. I, I go into our community. I offer to pray with people. I get in conversations with people about who the God, God is. That is a good thing to do. Let me say this. It's also good to invite people to church. That's a good step to take as well. Because I want you to think about this. You know, if you're, many of you, you're here on Sunday mornings and you gather here because when you're here, you sense God's presence in this place. You sense the comfort of the Lord. When you gather here, you sense the Holy Spirit moving among this community. And it's like, what an easy thing to do to invite somebody else into that and let them experience that for themselves too, right? It's a powerful step to bring comfort. And so I want to encourage you this week, who could you share God's comfort with simply by inviting them? A family member, a friend, a coworker, somebody in your neighborhood, somebody from class, right? Like it it could be anybody, but God always gives his comfort through his church. I've been following Jesus for 25 years now, and I always think back to that Thursday night when a preacher was preaching from the Bible, and he invited people to come forward and to put their faith in Jesus. And I was one of them who said yes that night. It's like that, that was the night where my life was radically transformed, and God began to do some remarkable things in me and through me over the last 25 years. And yet, what I sometimes forget is for six months prior to that Thursday night, I was in a church most Sundays and many Wednesdays, hearing the Bible taught, though I didn't understand it, singing songs that I didn't really know why we were singing them, hearing prayers prayed, people encouraging me, loving me, all that kind of stuff. For six months, I was a part of that. And then I came to faith in Jesus. And you want to know what got me into church that very first Sunday, my friend Andy built up enough courage to just ask me to come. And I said, yes. And God used an invitation to begin a journey that has radically transformed my life and still is today. I want you to think about that, the power of an invitation and how God can use that. God will use you to bring comfort into the lives of others. Just say yes to the invitation, right? I want to invite you here in the house and at Fall Story, just to bow your heads and to close your eyes. And I want you to ask this question, just same question we ask. It's not amazing, but it's a question of Jesus. What are you saying to me through this message? And then I just want you to listen to him for a moment. As you're praying right now and you're listening, I just want to share a couple things with you. Um, one, we, we reversed the order of the service today. So some of you guys who've been here normally, you're going, we just sang one song at the front end because we put most of the music on the back end. And here's why. 
You, you know at Lighthouse, we love to pray with each other. We love to pray for one another. And we wanted to give you as much time as possible to respond to the Lord in prayer. And so what's going to happen is the band's coming forward right now, and they're going to lead us in, in a couple of more songs. Some are songs of introspection. Some are songs of celebration. But during those songs, we're going to have prayer leaders available in each corner of the room. And so one will be here at the cross. One will be here on my left, your right, underneath the sign. We'll have one back by the double doors. We'll have one back here by the sound booth as well. And these are leaders who are prepared and equipped to pray with you about anything in your life. And so if you want to receive prayer this morning during these songs, I'm just going to invite you to step out of your seat, go to one of those corners. Most of them will have little lanyards that say, I, you know, how can I pray for you? And just tell them how you want you to be prayed for. And, and you don't ever have to be embarrassed to want to receive prayer, right? It's like every single one of us needs prayer. I need prayer, and, and you need prayer. and So it's okay, right? And so I don't invite you to do that. So let me pray for you. And actually, first, I want to ask everybody here in the house to stand. If you're joining us at Foster, I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. And they may be giving you instructions as well, asking our prayer leaders to go to their appropriate places. I want to pray for you, and then we're going to worship the Lord, and I want to invite you to pray as well. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw absolutely everyone who needs prayer right now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 9.09 or 11.11. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.